0: Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63 with Buck and Lou. It is Season 4, Episode 8, and uh, we finally have some regular season games to talk about. Uh, we have a big win, we have a tough win, um, both uh, good in their own ways, both with some stuff that I think the guys will want to work on and will want to talk about. Um, so we're going to be discussing both both of those games uh, also, we have some recruiting news. Uh, three of our recruits signed their letters of intent for next season. Um, and then there's two kind of smaller pieces of Loyola news we want to talk about: two different players, and um, just uh, I don't know something something we have to discuss. So we'll be chatting about that. Um, Lou, I know uh, you are watching the game from your your seat. Uh, the games. Um, how, what was it like having having those crowds back in Gentile?
1: Oh, the the crowd was great, um, especially student section. I, I think we can say this um, before we even get into the games, but I believe the home opener first was the nearly the largest crowd of students they've ever had. I think they tweeted they broke they had like over 1,300 students from what it looked like you and I saw the the, the whole student section lower bowl was filled, um, and then they had to put students up in the upper bowls. Uh, Part like maybe section 204 and stuff like that, and behind the opponent back uh, basket. So I think that was my favorite part, to be honest with you. Uh, The lower bowl of non-students was kind of filled out, but I think because it was a weeknight, I think not many fans got to the the game. But the students showed up, and I really loved seeing it. Um, And then Saturday, students showed up again, and there was a moment where you could really feel it, um, or a few. And then of course we'll talk about how they answered back to quiet us down, but. Um, overall it was just great to see fans great to see the guys interact with fans not again there's no handshakes we'll just make that clear there's no more handshakes at the end of the game but the uh, players do go over to the stands kind of close but socially distance and they like uh, air away air high five and stuff like that so but overall just so excited i'm smiling just even talking about it but i'm so happy we got back into gentile and of course sister Jean. come on how did i forget about that sister (laughs)
0: Jean's back saying prayers that's the best Yeah we'll, uh, we'll When we come back From our break We'll talk a little bit more We'll just kind of react To how it was being back And uh, our favorite parts. So um, We will get into it In a minute here But uh, thank you all For listening And don't forget Always remember Go Blurs
1: He jumps, He passes out to Hunter Hunter shoots Off the rim Brouss in the scores It's over It's over We won We won the ball game. Triola won the ball game Oh We won 60
0: to 58 and we are back um so yeah we we really had a good time or I know I did I mean it sounds like you did too um it was just it was fun seeing everyone back uh the students like you said the students were loud students were rowdy and I forget I don't know if you told me this or someone else told me this but like There's two classes of to students who have never been to a basketball game. You know, the current freshmen and the sophomores, uh, because they weren't able to get into Gentile at all last year. So I think there's just like an an even bigger want for the students to to get into Gentile and and watch our uh, watch our Ramblers uh, win some basketball games. So um, that for me was awesome. Uh, Every year I look forward to the hype video um the crew that puts those together are just so so great and so talented. Um I think we even win awards for them from time to time.
1: Yep, um, definitely seen that at the end of the year. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Um I would also say I had my parents in for the game on on Saturday which was great and my mom's favorite part is always the band of wolves. So big shout outs to the band of wolves. Y'all are great. Um definitely makes Loyola games that just so much better. And um yeah, uh, the hype video, students Band of Walls, those are big ones for me. Uh, Lou, what about you? What else? What else did you like from the games? Just being there, being in the stadium.
1: Yeah, being there. Um, so yeah, there was one video about uh, Cam where he narrates, narrates it about the pack and how we haven't seen the pack in quite some time. I think they they don't only just say a year, but they say how many days I think since the last home game and stuff like that. Um, and then of course, like uh, Buck was saying. The just atmosphere with the high quality of video quality is just great. We also have an 8K camera, Um, I believe. If the video team is listening, you can correct us, but it looks like an 8K camera. Um, Side note, I kind of wish there were just more baseline cameras so I can get that corner three. But the 8K camera looks great. Um, But it's great. I I really love the new um, in-person camera. like every, all the fans get connected to the Rambler app. So plug the mm-hmm. Rambler app, I guess we're doing right now. Not we're not sponsored, but we might be soon, hopefully. Um, but uh so come to a game. I don't want to spoil it, but come to a game, there's a really cool interaction with the fans and their phones that I love. But yeah, no, it's just great. It's great to see guys be they're kind of it was funny. I think you and I were talking. If if you listeners think about it, Buck and I tweeted a lot, live tweeted the games last year. Mm-hmm. And we turned to each other, and I think not even until the second game, we were like should we be tweeting? And then I think Buck said, I kind of just want to enjoy the game. I haven't been back to a game live in person in a while. And I think we just naturally got comfortable tweeting because we couldn't go to the game. We, we weren't distracted by the actual game in front of us. Um, so really interesting, though, overall to be back. I'm excited to see Sister Jean saying a prayer, but excited to see uh, two wins. And I think that just keeps the crowd coming back every uh, every game. Yeah, the, just one last thing. Talking about Sister Jean, the first game, the Coppin
0: State game, um, when she came back out, like, obviously super excited. I kind of thought she would be back, but I didn't know for sure. And right, I think – I don't remember if it was part of her prayer right before it, but she said that she was happy to be back for the next in-person season. And I don't know what it was about that, but that just, like, hit me so hard. Like I Like, as if, like, you know – you just take nothing for granted, you know, like next season could not be an in-person, you know, who knows, like crap happens all the time. And I think that was just kind of a big, like reminder for me that like stuff is just temporary. So, um, sister Jean said that I, I kind of teared up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It's just like, you know, it was really good to see her back. She looks good. I'm glad she sounds good. Um, you know, she's, she's still getting around in her wheelchair and, um, she's there for those games and that's what matters to her and to all of us too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to take it from here, Lou, but, uh, any, any other thoughts just kind of on the game day stuff before we kind of get more in depth. Uh,
1: I guess not a lot of, uh, we haven't seen one so far, uh, fan like shoot or anything. I don't know if that's a COVID thing. Oh, true. maybe. Uh, that's just something I noticed on Saturday. Again, we have so many things. We have the dance teams. We had a great, um halftime show at the dance on tuesday um saturday what besides rotc did we have anything else for halftime did i miss it i, I, I don't think so i don't remember but yeah tuesday know. we did great there was a great dance show i forget the club but it, they were great love seeing student orgs get involved but we haven't seen like kind of like hey shoot a three shoot a free throw don't know if that's a COVID thing also don't know if we don't have sponsorship but i love seeing the cane sponsorships everywhere so if we could just get that an actual Kane's concession stance, that would just be amazing but that would be amazing. who knows but it, it was great we can we can ramble we can have a whole episode just about the atmosphere um so that would that would be very funny
0: yeah we, we definitely could
1: um but for now let's move on to some some news um so after the
0: game um i believe it was i think is it zach miller is that the yeah zach miller from the phoenix tweeted a couple updates i, I believe he was in a yeah he was talking to drew um, who said that uh, Clemens is going to be back. Keith Clemens, who's missed the first two games, is going to be back on Tuesday, which is great. Uh, Drew said they could have been in today, but they wanted to play it safe. Um, one of the um, other small tidbits, Tom Welch did uh, a kind of uh, bruise his thumb or something, uh, but he played, continued playing on Saturday. And then the, the big news, in my opinion, um, is that Demise Anderson is going to be red-shirting. Now... Um, there is a little bit of, like, we were talking about it before. I call it gray area. I don't know if that's what you want to call it. But we don't know for sure if it's health-related at this point. Like, I mean, there at the open practice, Coach Drew did say that he's dealing with a foot issue. They still had to get it scanned. They still had to do some, you know, some testing on it. Uh, but it, it didn't sound at that point that it was season-ending. Now, of course, he could have had a setback. He could have re injured it, he, or it could have just been worse than what they originally thought. Um, but as Zach Miller said, uh, Dumizi is going to be redshirting, which will retain his year of eligibility. Um, and I, I think if, I mean, again, it's so tough with all these COVID things, uh, but he transferred, he's played two years at Indiana. He's only played two years. Um, he transferred last year, and normally, You have to sit out a year and then this year he's redshirting, So he still has two years and his COVID year. If I'm, if I've got that all right, I think he has three years remaining, but I, I, we're just going to have to wait and see until, um, until there's some official work. But Lou, I know I've said a lot. What, like, what are your reactions just about the the news that Demise is not going to be playing this year and like, what kind of impact do you think it has on the team going forward?
1: Yeah. So my thing is a little different than uh, Bucks is like, I don't think it's a gray area, but I, I get what he's saying. I think my area is two things. Demizzi, uh didn't have to redshirt last year's, but he didn't play because I think they were way down rulings. So that was weird. I think that actually is more the gray area. Maybe that, that to me is the gray area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's always up in the air. Is it two years, three years he's played like Buck said, he's played two years. We know that. So he doesn't have four years left. Okay. Now, is it three years or two years? It's going to be the COVID thing. I don't know how that works, right? Um, And unless we get an actual statement from him, hey, well, maybe I'll ask him in the game. How many years do you have left of eligibility? And I could ask them that for all I know. But um, the biggest thing for me is I think it fits perfectly. I don't know how much playing time he would have been. And to be honest with you, I don't even think he played probably that much fully healthy over the summer because he's been battling this foot thing. Now, we we can talk about it, but from what I remember, Drew, I don't even – be honest with you that the question at the open practice was also kind of offhanded it wasn't a reporter it was just a fan Mm -hmm. maybe probably season ticket holder who just goes hey why didn't these guys play and Mm -hmm. drew was like oh ty's fine or rolled an ankle he's fine to he's gonna get scanned and drew was like probably saying it like energetically not hoping for the worst totally but i don't think even drew knew what was going on so i don't even think we know if it was bad or good so that's why Mm -hmm. it's like up in the air like buck's saying I just think Drew wasn't leaning toward even, oh, it's totally fine, or it was totally bad, because I don't think he knew. Mm-hmm. And again, if in the past, usually, if he, and it's not even like just Drew, Porter's kind of waited until maybe the MVC calls. Like even we didn't find out about Cooper Cephas until an MVC call. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. He said if Cooper's going to be out for the rest of the year, uh, tour something. So we, you kind of don't find these things until they're asked, like in press conferences and stuff. Um, there might be a follow-up. I forget. Do we do a kind of coaches conference? There should um, be. It's yeah. just not every week. Like during conference. Oh, no, it's not every week. It, it might be it might be this week because of the first. Week. We don't know. But long story short, I think DeMizi, it, it's weird. It actually is better for him, maybe, because I don't think he would have gotten many playing time. Now, do I think it would be great to have depth? Yes, because I love the depth right now, but I can totally understand maybe what's best for him. Again, I'm not comparing him to Tyree Key with playing ability i think he can get there but long story short tyree key made that same decision this year for indiana state they mm-hmm. said he could potentially play through but it's all again what's best for him and he decided to take the year off for redshirt injuries are scary and they're weird like uh, to be honest i'll give a great example matt chastain was a former rambler he battled injuries and never really got recouped when he went down to illinois state so i think uh, i'd rather a guy try to find his way back into his like playing skills um, but I also understand we got a lot of guys in front of him who have been healthy longer and recently with the team that might be also chewing up playing time. So he might be like, hey, why don't I have a full three years that are healthy and not battling with a Hiro Guaku going off or Chris Knight or Ryan Swag. Like, Well, we got seven guys leaving the team next year. So there's going to be plenty of spots like, hey, especially starters. We're going to need guys to fill in or guys to be role players. So. I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe we'll get him on. Maybe we won't, but we're, we're guessing here, but I think we're, we're, we're thinking about it in the right way of like, we're going to wait until we hear about what drew or anyone from the team says, but also kind of maybe Demi'sy makes a statement. We don't know, but as far as we know, we got a tweet and I think it's kind of makes sense with just with his injury history. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I just like, you know, we talked about this before. I just hesitate to like say that it's an injury until we know for sure it's an injury. But um, I also know that, like, um, like we've talked about, like he has been hurt and he has had some injuries, so um, it's just like it's, it's it's really unfortunate. But I do think ultimately it's gonna be better for him in the long run. I actually I remember Demise posted a picture on his Instagram uh, just two days ago, and maybe like maybe that was a, a sign. Uh, it's a picture of just him and Lucas. Uh, on the practice court said and it just says I've been learning the game trusting the process and manifesting Um, so maybe this Instagram post that he you know something like that like hey you know I I gotta just focus on learning the game and that he's like manifesting getting healthy or something Um, but I had no idea I saw that post and I had no idea I you know who knows if it actually has any meaning to his injury but um, I just kind of thought that was interesting and kind of timed as if that might have been when he found out the news um so yeah i mean just kind of to wrap up the dameezy thing um it's it's unfortunate for sure um in my opinion if it is an injury um and we hope that he can get better and i i still believe in him like i I, there's no reason to not believe in his talent so whenever he's healthy or whenever he's able to come back um, i think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the valley so uh, Lou, any last thoughts on Tamizi?
1: I, I do I love that sentiment you say there. I do think he could be a force to wreck in the Valley. Now, do I think he's going to be right away? I'm going to actually make a comparison. Hirugwak <laughs> uh, was not the player he is now that he was when he first joined the Ramblers. Now, I, did, I, I will take a statement when he first, that first year, his Creighton game was one of the greatest games he ever played, right? Mm-hmm, so I get mm-hmm. that. But right now, your who last year nearly made me tear up because of how great he played and how great he played with the guys. And so far, we'll get into it. But I think that is that is kind of a good example of a guy transferring in, a guy sitting in a redshirt year. It's like, okay, it took him a year, but he had other guys in front of him. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when you have other guys who have been in the system, so I don't know. I feel like Demise will know the system really well after being with the team for a while. So just getting healthy is going to be his biggest thing. And I think that's where – get a craft so i'm excited i really want him back um because i think he can come on six seven that height and i do think he was really great on defense for the little bit i saw i remember he is defensively minded so you love to see that but i'll, I'll, I'll just wish him all the best hope you it's a if it is injury we'll find out we'll get more information but no matter what you hope to everything goes well mm-hmm. definitely agreed um the other kind of small bit
0: of uh news that we Saw on Rambler Mania and I guess kind of confirmed through like the videos from the the, uh, game. uh, Ben Schweiger, little bro, a.k.a. little bro was not at the game on Saturday and we know absolutely nothing about it. So I, we don't want to speculate, but he wasn't at the game, wasn't on the bench. um, So we'll keep you updated. I I don't know. I don't think there's anything kind of else to say. Um, Just kind of let you know. And when we find out, You all will find out too. So uh, we'll pass that along. Um, Going on from there, uh, there is, like we mentioned earlier, some recruiting news. Um, Three uh, players have signed on to their letters of intent for next year. Uh, Jaden Dawson, Jalen Quinn, and Trayvon Lewis. Um, Those three have been committed. uh, I think Trayvon was the first one followed shortly by Jaden Dawson, and then a little bit later, Jalen Quinn committed. So, um, they have all been verbally committed. They all signed their letters of intent, so kind of no surprises. But um, I know Jalen Quinn was in attendance for the game on Saturday, which is really cool. Um, Lou, any – I don't know. Like, do we want to talk about them, or do we just want to – like, I mean, they're all going to be starting high school ball soon. So,
1: um, Um, what do you think? I think if you want, we can just do a quick overview. Maybe we will have an episode um, again toward the end of the year. or I don't know. We'll talk about them maybe at a later one over a break or something. But um, I'm really excited. This is an interesting class. And now if we think about it, yes, St. Thomas, maybe you could say that was Drew's first recruit. But this is kind of Drew's really first recruiting class is what I think mm-hmm. is the biggest thing. Um, and it really is interesting, um, in my opinion, really, about it. Biggest thing is, Drew went back to his roots of Michigan, right? You haven't mm-hmm. seen many of our guys come out of Michigan, um, and it, it, maybe it just wasn't Porter's thing, right? Nothing against Porter, but Drew went back to the ground, the area he knew, and that's where he got... Um, Trayvon Lewis. Trayvon Lewis. I was about to say Jaden Lewis, and I was like, wait, I know that's... <laughs> you um, combined two of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then speaking of Jaden, uh, the next follow... So, again, uh, Trayvon Lewis was the first commit. Um, and we talked about him, I think, even really early maybe it was like really, really early, early. because yeah, i remember we talking about his aau tournaments and stuff like that so and then uh, yeah. Jaden dawson um another guy from omaha which is really interesting i again you kind of think that creighton maybe has just omaha locked down and loaded um but we're getting in there so that's an interesting one there um and then Jalen quinn uh kind of a backyard guy i don't know where tuscaloosa illinois is i'll look it up now for all the actual people of illinois um, but in my opinion, he he plays also for the Illinois Wolves. And if you play for the Illinois Wolves, then automatically you go to Loyola, right? That's the way <laughs> it works. Um, but for those of you who don't recall, Illinois Wolves is a big time kind of Chicago land, Illinois area um AAU team. Brian Mullins, our former coach, coach at SIU, his father runs the program. So um a lot of guys on our current team are from there. So Marquise Kennedy played there, Tom Welch. Um uh so a lot of guys and a lot of guys who are big time have gone through there. So um I really like Jalen Quinn just because it's local, but I also like that diverse kind of recruiting kids outside the state. So um really great class, I personally think. I think it's just an interesting one. Um I think Jaden Dawson right now, if I've looked at some recruiting rankings, um, or actually it might have been Lewis. I regret that, but I know Lewis is ranked the highest rated player in the state of um He's the, the state. Of is
0: the, he's either one or two. I can't remember, but they're all he's three definitely stars.
1: two. Yeah, they're Congrats. all three stars. Um, he's definitely um, he's definitely two in the state of Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, it's really exciting. I think the biggest thing is what is Drew looking for? And I think that's the biggest thing that people just need to keep in mind of. He's losing seven. Is it, correct me. Is it seven or six players? Next I, I haven't counted it, recently. I think it's six, but I think, it I yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's six because again, we have all our super seniors. Then we have Chris Knight. Um, right. Um, big swagger. Big swagger. Um, he's also a lot last year. So a lot of these guys are going bye-bye and not because we want them to go, but they just have to go. Right. So it's really going to be interesting how he kind of uh, recoups that. I, I think a big thing is you might see a you might see a juco um, mm-hmm. a juco kind of recruit. You might see kind of transfers again. So there's a lot more recruiting. I think this is almost going to be nearly tying up the high school recruiting. But who knows? We we definitely this is one of the recruiting windows that opened, and this is when you can sign. There's plenty more room to re- commit later on down the line, in the rest of the year. But excited overall, and uh, just happy to talk about guys uh, committed to playing good, loyal Rambler basketball.
0: Yeah, uh, so about Jalen Quinn. So he's from Tuscola, which is like 20 minutes south of Urbana. It's really close to Champaign. So
1: um,
0: I don't know if Illinois, if U of I was ever looking at him. Um, but it is kind of fun to also get one from, I mean, that's, that's their region. So um, it would be pretty uh, appropriate if we ever played U of I again and, and Jalen Quinn went off in that game Um, because that's for sure his hometown team. Another cool thing I saw on Twitter, so his high school, I think it's just like Tuscola High School, um, uh, Jalen Quinn is the first, they think, the first Division I basketball player to ever come from his high school. So um, that's also pretty cool uh, in itself. But, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, there's a little – there's a variation. They're all guards. Trayvon Lewis is maybe like a small forward, uh, he's six six. Um, I think both Jalen Quinn and Jaden Dawson are around like six three. Um, I think Jaden Dawson's super athletic uh, and can get up real quick, and uh, he seems really shifty. Jalen Quinn seems like uh, like a, like your point guard. Like he just uh, he he seems like um, he knows what he's doing with the ball, makes smart decisions, uh, crafty, kind of finishes at the hoop type guy and trayvon lewis to me is just screams like athleticism and there's gonna be i think a lot of work that he has to do to become like a a well-rounded basketball player but it's all there like all the parts are there and um he's also 6'6 i think he has like a seven foot wingspan i think i read so that's cool um but it's it's an exciting time to uh, to become a Rambler and to be a Rambler fan because I think these three guys are uh, with these three guys at the helm they'll they'll keep Loyola on the map for sure so I'm excited about this class. Uh, any last thoughts about any of the uh, the
1: recruiting news? Yeah, we'll probably next time there's a recruiting thing we might talk about it, but we'll wait until there's so much to recruit the rest of the year so we'll talk about it later. But great to see these guys commit early, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, good to have those in the bag. Um so moving on
0: from that, uh, we are just here to talk about the games. Um there's two games to talk about, um both fun, uh one a little less stressful than the other. But um let's start with the first one. So Tuesday night, uh we welcomed coppin State into gentile Uh we mentioned it, I think, right at the end of the podcast last week, but the la- we lost to Coppin State the last time we played them uh, in, I think, 2018. At home. Mm-hmm. At home, yeah. So uh, there was a little bit of, I would think, like revenge, right? Like these guys got our number. And there's still, I think I counted seven guys from that team, from our team in 2018 that are still on the roster. And then like eight if you count Jake Bowman. Because um, Jake's a coach now. Or well, I forget his actual title. But. Um this team uh there's a little revenge. So uh we just got out to a super hot start and didn't look back. Um it was a lot of fun. Uh, I know I remember Lucas hit the first three uh, in that game and it felt pretty fitting to me to have him, you know, our senior leader, uh hit the first shot in a in a pretty full arena. Um and threes were just raining from everywhere. It's actually funny. We me and me and Lou were sitting watching the game and you know, first couple threes go up, and both times, like, oh no, one more pass, don't shoot, and they they're making them. And so then, you know, we're getting like five minutes into the game, and it, it it happened like six times in a row, I think, where like guys were shooting threes, and you and me were like, no, one more pass, and they would sink them. So, you know, we're we're fans, but we're I guess we're we're not players for obviously not players, and not coaches for a reason because. Uh, we, we wouldn't have uh, wanted them to shoot those shots. But they went down. Um, I think for me, like, it was really huge seeing Uguak hit some threes. Um, he had a great game, especially offensively. Uh, he was four for six from three. He finished with a team high 16 points. Um, but even just, like, like even in, um, I don't know, four four threes, like, even just hit, hitting a couple – Is huge because it's just something like seeing those go through in a real game against a team that's trying to beat you with fans in the stands. Like it's just a different, it it hits different. Like it it just like, it's more important. I think to, to watch those threes go down for him. And I'm just really excited that he is hitting them. It's, it's really important for this team. Uh, It adds a whole nother level. I think for his game and opens him up a lot inside um, to be able to drive to the hoop and, finish around the rim. Um, so for me, it was, it was great seeing Ubok have a great game. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot more to talk about, but Lou, what were just kind of some of your overall thoughts from this game against compensate?
1: Yeah, well, you, you spoke about the threes loyalists shattered their uh, single, ga- uh, single game school record of threes in a game. So we, we hit 20. Uh, the previous record was 15. So kind of crazy to think that record was set in 1991. Uh, wow. which actually kind of makes me think, did did all the teams previously in the recent years not make too many threes? But uh, again, I know last year was the new men- mentality of we're going to shoot more threes, Porter said. So interesting to see it be eclipsed this year. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, the 100 points, um, it's cool. Definitely a big thing to talk about. That's amazing i'm more focused on uh the spread out a box score especially the efficiency in uh shooting very efficient night i think when 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 you can make 50 50% of your shots you're having a good night in bat. yeah like that's when mm-hmm. you know you're gonna go down you could be like okay we're probably most likely we're in favor of making the shot right um so um and the threes we're just calling it um so really great overall i love the assist of this first mm-hmm. game points mm-hmm. kind of speak for themselves spread out and i think buck and i even said this is going to be definitely a spread out uh season now again we'll I'll highlight it more in the second game my only concern then is just is it going to be a shootout to win games and again we've only played two games but we'll talk about a little bit more in the next game recap about the defense mentality but again the cop and state game we we really put pedal to the metal right we put 54 points in the first and then uh 49 points in the second half so again Just, I think, a great way to rally the troops in the first home opener. Um, Loved the uh, interactions with a lot of guys getting double-digit minutes, Um, especially St. Thomas got 18 minutes, was five of seven from field goal, three of five from three, and I think some of them, you and I definitely were holding each other. (laughs) But then he also had four assists, so it's like, oh, okay. Um, So I think with St. though, like, again, with this game, it was the first game, so you're kind of like, okay, they're gonna figure things out. Um, I think T.Y. and him, uh, no, that might have been the exhibition, but I know Saint had a few fouls that were like, uh, Saint, and even Ryan had a, like a lot, a lot of these guys are quick to go to the ball, but they're reaching in a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but overall, just excited. I, I'm fine with some guys taking shots. Lucas, he was four of twelve, but the thing is that it's the first game. I'm like, I'm gonna wait to start looking at their shot selections because it's like i think people are just having their on fire they're doing well it's like let's just keep it rolling right Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: so um because the thing is i'm fine with them making those shots taking those shots when lucas also is putting up seven assists right right like they're also filling other things in the box score and i'm gonna start calling on mr box score but here comes mr box score and it's marquise kennedy nine Mm -hmm. rebounds six assists eight points spread it out then Braden norris definitely a guy who has 13 points, nine rebounds. That's the thing you got it now, Brayden, we love you, but we know you ain't that tall, but you're getting those boards, which we love. So yeah. it was a great game overall. Really nothing too negative um, just because I, I think it's the first game and I think it's not really a negative thing. It's just like, hey, things to work on. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more, more on the maybe the second half. But really, this was a Coppin State team that really didn't, I don't think, challenge us too much. I think what it was was it also let us understand what plays can work um, and we'll highlight a little bit what Drew was trying to run plays out of the second half of this game that I do want to wait to talk about for the second game that just don't seem to be working yet. And I think there's a, there's a process where that might start working, but um, overall I was excited. Um, and come on, who, when you and your team, hits 23s. You just, you just Jeez. get excited overall. Cause that, that, that's 60 points there. Uh, it just, so overall.
0: yeah, it just felt like they weren't going to miss like, I remember like we had already hit like four or six or something, and then and then finally Braden decides to make one. You're like, oh, he wants to get in the action. And then Saint comes in and makes one. Oh, he's got to get in on the action. Then Big Schweiger hits one. And like you just go down the line. Tate Hall hit two. Tom Welch hit two. And our boy Will Elcock with the big three at the end of the game. Um, that's just had to feel so good and Honestly, I think that was the loudest Gentile got that uh, that night, seeing, seeing Will hit a three. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, it was just – it was a fun game. Um, I was really impressed with St. Thomas. I was, like, I'm straight up, like, didn't think he would be that good that quick. Of course, like, yeah, compensate. It's not, like, the biggest team, the best team. But they're still going out there and trying to win that game. Like, you know, they are trying to win the game just as much as we are. So – you know, any game that St. puts up 13 points, you know, three rebounds, four assists um, it's just is a good game for him. He was a lot of fun. You could tell he was having a good time. Um, and then uh, some of the other guys, um, Ryan Schweiger had 13 points. Um, I, I really like his game a lot. I think he is going to be a guy for us that like when we need a bucket, he's going to be a guy that just like, you know, he can. He can score at at all three levels, inside, mid range, and at three. Um, so I think I think he's going to be a, a good bucket getter for us. Um, I also Chris Knight. I thought Chris Knight played pretty well. Um, nothing too crazy, but uh, he did have ten points uh, and four rebounds, and he was five for five from the field. So that's awesome. Uh, I thought Tate Hall played really well um, uh, in twenty minutes. Uh, There are a few guys I want to highlight. You you kind of mentioned it with the box scores, but the almost double-doubles, Tate Hall had eight points and ten rebounds, so two points off. Uh, We have Braden Norris with 13 points and nine rebounds, so just one rebound off. And then also Marquise Kennedy with eight points and nine rebounds, like you said, two points and one rebound shy. So um, they're all three of them. (laughs) We were rooting. We were like, no, get Braden back in there. Come on, give Tate the ball. Let him score. But um, you know it's just meaningless stats at the end of the at the end of the day like those double doubles really don't mean a whole lot you know they just want to win and they want to get everyone involved so um yeah in this game i would say overall extremely impressed with uh, Ahir here um and saint Thomas um and uh I thought Tate had a good game but um i do think in this game in particular huddy and even tom Welch like the both of them gave me more, like I wanted more, I wanted them to do better uh, kind of in different ways. I know how was struggling a little bit to get in rhythm. I thought Tom really didn't do a ton like defensively or rebounding. I know like, you know, being nitpicky here, but um, there was definitely things to work on. And I think it, those two guys probably had the most to like work on um, going forward. So um, other than that, I mean, like, yeah, like 31 assists on 38 shots, like that's that's unheard of. Like I'm not I'm not trying to be dramatic here. Like that is truly unheard of in college basketball. I would I want to go like I don't know how you could look this up maybe on like college basketball reference, but to have like that high of an assist ratio, assist to field goal ratio um with that many made shots. Uh, I'd be really interested to know how often that's happened in the past 10 years of college basketball. So um trying to think if there was like anything else extremely exciting. I know Marquise had a great dunk uh, kind of early in the game. Um, I hear had a really fun and one in this game. Uh, just, I don't know, kind of, it was nice to see everyone involved. TY getting in there, getting some playing time. Um and uh, and Big Will hitting that shot. Uh, Lou, any, I guess, like, any last thoughts on the Coppin State game?
1: Just great overall. Again, just kept pushing. Field goal was great. Everything was just hitting cylinders. I, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about with the next one. But overall, right. exciting to be the home opener, be a strong home opener. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, final of that
0: game, 103-45 to um, for our home opener. Uh the next game was on Saturday. Uh, we welcomed Florida Gulf Coast University in to Gentile. Um It was our first meeting ever between these two teams, which is kind of fun. I think I also read that it's like it's it wasn't. the it, So this is the first time they played an A-Sun team. They're in the A-Sun conference. Like while there, there's a team now and I'm drawing a blank on what team, but they just recently moved into the A-Sun and we didn't play them. Uh, we played them before they moved into the A-Sun. So, I don't know. There's just kind of random trivia knowledge. But for all intents and purposes, the first time we've played an A-Sun team. Um, and uh, they are famous for Dunk City. They made it to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed uh, back in, like, 2013, 2012. 2013, 2013 yeah. Um, And uh, they've been pretty good since then as far as they're kind of – like a low major or a like a mid major, just barely. Uh, but they've they've made it to the postseason a couple times since then. Um, so they're a decent team, but n- not great by any in- like purposes, intense purposes. Um, so we welcomed them in, um, and the final score was eighty nine to seventy seven. Um, definitely a little closer than I would have liked, but uh, I think. Overall, it was good to have a little bit of a challenge. Uh, we were up 18 points going into halftime. And at one point, I believe the smallest, it got down to four, I think, was the closest margin uh, around like the six-minute mark, I want to say. Um, they closed the gap to four. And then we fought back, made some stops, hit some big shots, um, and a, especially a three by Tate Hall um, kind of toward the end of that game. So, um uh overall, um, I thought it was a good game. Uh definitely some stuff that they're gonna take from this to work on. Again, Uguac I thought had a great game um offensively, just very efficient. Um, I thought he played pretty well defensively. I think all I think the guys that actually need to step up defensively are the guys that were used to being very good. So Uguac Williamson, and Kennedy. I think those guys need to take a step forward. And I think they will. I think they're up to the challenge. But I think those guys are kind of the, the, the three that need to step up a little bit. Um, otherwise, uh, my big storyline is actually the backup bigs in this game. Tom Welch and Chris Knight, huge games from them. Um, both actually, so Tom scored 15 points in 15 minutes, and Chris Knight scored 14 points in 14 minutes. So just excellent games from those two, especially at the end in the second half, kind of those last like six to eight minutes. Um so, Lou, what else What do else you have from this game? Um, any any fun moments or, I don't know, just like any thoughts from the Florida Gulf Coast game?
1: Yeah, so fun thoughts before we get into two, de- uh, two details about things. Um, I'd say uh, it was great um, kind of different level of competition coming from the Coppin State one. And nothing against Coppin State. They beat us before, I just think, comparing the two games, right, right off the bat, mm-hmm. we're different kind of competition level. Um, again, Marquise Kennedy filling in for um, – Keith Clemens is really interesting. Um, I'm going to call him nearly a box uh, score guy. He has been pushing uh, it really big. Um, so I'm very intrigued by that. Um, also, he's kind of uh, big-time showtime with these dunks. Uh, so, uh, But overall, I think the biggest thing is here is efficiency. Seven of eight from field goal. Like, I'm just going to talk about it. I, I, I'm going to really hope I see this continuously. Um, and then uh, free throws, uh, that was the biggest thing that kind of <laughs> – Got me a little annoyed. Uh, We only 60% from free throw, so I got to put that out there. Uh, The threes were not as many made at all. Uh, We only made eight. Um, So that kind of really just is, uh, I don't know if it was a wide open thing or if it was their kind of pressuring defense a little bit more. So that was interesting. Um, And then there were a few uh, things about missed layups. Uh, We'll talk about that with one player in particular, just a little struggle there. But even like Marquise missed a layup, I think we saw. So a little stuff like that. But guys are kind of also picking it up in other areas, right? So um, Braden only went one for four from three, right? And you're like, oh, Braden, the guy went off on Tuesday. But he put up eight assists, right? So he put up eight assists, five rebounds even. So they're doing other things, which I'm liking. Um, I think it's just coming down to really trying to figure out how you want to push it. I think they're trying to figure out the tempo. I think that's the biggest thing with this theme. Drew is noticing, okay, when to push, when not to push. He's trying to figure that out, I really think. Cause there were certain points where the, like you said, it got down to four or five and mm-hmm. it was like, okay, do we push? Do we just take our time, try to get a score? And to be honest with you, when we did take our times and collected ourselves, that's when we saw the wide open passes down low to either Tom, to either Chris Knight wide open. Cause we just defeat that, what that zone defense. And we figure out how to break it. Right. Um, so um, yeah, I think the only things I'm worried about, um, we're breaking our own breaking the press and then having giving our own press. Those are two things, topics, areas, but again, tough win. Um, I know the box score is going to say, yeah, oh, tough win. You won by 12. Yeah. Um, I think it was, felt like it was nearly closer than that. I really wanted this to be a 20 plus point win. Um, I really would have, would have liked them to be in the sixties. Um, but again, it's a definitely. I'm hoping Florida Gulf Coast has wins the rest of their games. right? Like I hope this, this is a good Florida Gulf Coast team. And I think they have a, a star player in their guard. I don't know if he is normally the best player, but um, yeah, I think he was invincible on a Saturday. But <laughs> overall, the Ramblers were just excited to see. I think uh, guys stepping up was the biggest storyline for me as well, besides heres efficiency. Um, and then we can talk about why they needed to step up in a little bit. But overall, just excited to get the win. Excited to also see a tough win, right? You're kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, we fought for that. Like, I, I like that. I'm I'm happy. So. Uh, so here, efficiency, free throws, big guys stepping up. We'll talk a little bit more detail of that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, like the fighting aspect, right. I actually,
0: so it was four. it with six minutes left six minutes and two seconds left in the game. It was 70 to 66. And I'm just going to list off who scored for us after that moment. Right. We're, we're up four. all the energy is like at Florida Gulf coast. They had just scored, five unanswered points so um after that we have a tom welch layup we have an ahir ugwak layup an ahir ugwak free throw a chris chris knight layup chris knight layup tom welch layup tate hall three ahir ugwak dunk tom welch free throw and then Braden norris hits two free throws but the vast majority of that is tom welch and chris knight like yeah, Ubach had a couple of buckets in there, too. Let's let's throw Ubak in there, too. But Tom Chris and Chris Knight had some really, really important buckets. Um, and I think that's huge. Like, I think that's huge for those guys, for our team. They um, The main reason those guys got so involved, the Florida Gulf Coast went to a zone starting in the second half, which actually I think was incredibly smart from the coach because uh, we were making some threes. It was obvious we wanted to work outside in. So they force us like, no, you, you have to work from the inside out. Like, we're not going to just let you shoot wide open threes. We're going to guard you. If you want to come at us, come at us from the inside, work in free throw line extended and try to work that way. And it took us a while. I mean, you know, these are this is a new team. They probably haven't worked a ton against a ton of zone. I would hope that they would have done some for sure. But um, there were some nice plays in there. Uh, I actually, the one that I remember was uh, Huddy actually had the ball faked kind of like he was going to pass down low and he passed out to Braden for a wide open three. And there was a ton between and, and, Uguac um, and Welch. And then uh, Braden had some really great plays on pick and roll, some high pick and roll where they would come up and double him and Braden didn't panic, knew he would have his guy down in the paint somewhere and found both Tom Mulch and Chris Knight for, I would say, half a dozen layups, maybe six, seven layups and uh, in, in crunch time. So just excellent um, ball handling by Brayden. Great uh, finishing and knowing what you're supposed to do from Tom Mulch and Chris Knight. Um, there was an and one from Tom Mulch in there, which was pretty fun, pretty big shot. And um, that three by Tate Hall, I don't want to forget that. Uh, it was just when we kind of started – um, scoring. We we're up 10 and, and Tate hit a huge three to put us up 13. So um, that was just kind of for me, like kind of the key sequence, uh, fighting back, figuring out the zone, smart passes, great finishes, and kind of from guys, at least for me personally, not the guys that I was thinking were going to be hitting the big shots. So I think it just really goes to show that our team is um, uh, any given guy on any, any given night can can put up the, the important shots. So um, Lou, what else you got? You want should we should we talk about Huddy? I feel like we should probably talk about Huddy.
1: Yeah. So I think uh, the biggest thing, so we alluded to it a little bit in the first game, right? So um, coming out of the second half of the first game, uh, Drew was really right uh, putting up. Um, okay, we got to get the ball through Huddy, right? He was really trying to see plays that can work for Huddy. Huddy kind of got tangled up a few times in Coppin State, and we were like, I don't, I, I don't know if we both said, oh, you got to dunk that, or you just got to be stronger to the rim. Mm-hmm. So that was the first thing we noticed. And then they kind of stopped doing that because they were just drilling threes, right? And so come now the game against Florida off-coast, Huddy went 0 for 4. Kind of tough to see. Um, There were at least definitely one wide open time. He just fumbled the ball, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, He just couldn't get his hands on it. And then there were just a few times I thought he just maybe didn't go up strong enough. I don't know. Um, So it was just tough. Um, But then the thing is, like, i think now he's the starting center and i think i'm fine with him in these games it's just i don't know the level of how quick he brings in chris knight drew now i'm talking and he brings in kind of tom welch now they played great minutes and i think because they did something different than Huddy can't do that Huddy can do things that they can't do right they're a little bit quicker right chris knight and tom welch i think are a little bit quicker uh tom can also hit the three we saw christine loman practice but i don't know him yet right tom mm-hmm. missed his three but they're a little bit quicker and i think about it a lot of the baskets were either they were both wide open or they're just right underneath the rim that they went up quick right so loop that quick step i think they both have or even when tom had a beautiful like not an up and under but he put brought the mm-hmm. ball down then brought it up and then under i think maybe he did so i do think there may be that little that quickness they both have is the advantage down low now, do I think Huddy can collect himself and be what he was in the NCAA tournament or the MVC tournament as well? Yes. I just think he's trying a little bit too much, um, but I think he can get his flow. Like I do remember him backing down, backing up, and then trying to do the drop over. Kind of, not a hook, but a little drop over, right? And Cam nearly did that. So I think in reality, it's really just Huddy getting comfortable. Now, I, I think this was a tough game because it got close at a certain point. So Drew was like, I just need scorings. I, I don't need to really try to. But Drew did take, I think, a few plays to try to get the ball through Huddy, right? Because Drew knows that that's ultimately what he wants. Like, that's mm-hmm. what he wants. He wants to put the ball through him at some point. He's not looking for that to be the whole offense. If you think about it last year, we brought the ball down the court and it was like, okay, get, get the ball to camp, right? That, that's what our mentality was. Now mm-hmm. that's not our mentality, but our mentality also with Huddy is Drew can't let him sit by himself in a silo. He's got to get plays through him because you also can hope you rely on him. So, um, not saying Chris Knight and Tom Wells couldn't do it. I just think they came in at a perfect times where they fit the schema of quick, kind of small ball, right? Like we're going quick. You're gonna get wide open. Here's the ball. So, I think that's really interesting. Um, I'm really hoping Huddy. To, I, I, I think Huddy's gonna stay in the starting lineup. Um, I, I think definitely for Tuesday's game with Chicago State. Um, potentially, you, I don't know. We'll talk about it later, probably. But I'd be intrigued to see if. Drew does anything different with uh, Michigan State, um, but um, I think Tuesday you're still going to see Huddy starting, and I think that just benefits him and the team more having him just get consistent minutes because he only got 10 minutes in the second game, so um, and not as much foul trouble as the first game too. That was another issue we're noticing. Huddy, granted, we can talk about how the refs were not a big fans of this past game, but Huddy mm-hmm. um, overall, I think he's got a, a learning curve, and that's not no one should be upset by it, right? Like, no one really should be like, oh, god damn, he should already know how to do that. He doesn't. He played last minute nearly toward the end of the season, and that was a shock to all of us. So now mm-hmm. we're all hoping for big things. So it's tough to talk about, definitely. But I think he's got such a high ceiling that I know he can fill it. So, um, but Buck, do you got anything to add? Yeah, I mean, uh, another thing just about the, the our big man minutes, right? So Huddy
0: played 10, Welch played 15, Chris Knight played 14. So yeah, those uh, It's... 40 minutes for, you know, it, it rounds up from 39 to 40. So it's obvious like Drew wants one big guy in there at all times um or most of the time. And I think that's kind of how it's going to be divvied up throughout the season. I don't know. Like, I mean, last year, I know we were talking a little bit. We want to see Cam and Tom Welch on the floor together. And I was at least a lot. I, I, I still would like to see like Tom on the floor with Chris Knight and, and or, well, or Huddy at some points, uh, especially if Welch is scoring like this. Like, um, I would love to see that at some point if we need it for height. But um, I just, like, it's, it's tough. I, I want Huddy to play well. He needs to get in a rhythm. You know, this actually, like, I, I hate doing analogies to other sports. But um, sometimes, you know, a pitcher is struggling to find his, like, fastball command and you're like, oh, you gotta, you got to pitch fastball, fastball, find it. And then you throw your off-speed. And to that, like, I compare it to Huddy. Like, we want him to make layups, right? Like, he's a big dude. Just get an easy one, and it'll figure itself out. Well, sometimes you tell a pitcher to pitch backwards. Like, throw your off-speed stuff first, and then maybe your fastball is going to get guys to swing and miss. And for Huddy, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe he needs to see a three go down, you know, a wide-open three, in rhythm. He sees one go in and then it's like, okay, here I am. I'm in the game. I'm in rhythm. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what he needs to do. It just may be a suggestion. Either way, he just needs to get into the rhythm. He's just he's also not doing himself any favors. He gets an early foul. He's gotten an early foul in both games. And so, you know, I would actually like to see Drew give him more leash in this next game. In in Chicago State. I think he just needs to play him for like eight minutes to start the game or six, whatever it is, a significant amount of time. Even if he gets three fouls, just play him because he needs to figure that out. He can't figure that out from sitting on the bench and we're playing Chicago state. Like, let's be real. Like if we're losing that game, like we got a lot more problems than Huddy and his, you know, not being off to a quick start. So I, I just want him to play Huddy, let him, let him work, let him play 20 minutes um and let him play until he fouls out and then that's another tough learning lesson for him right like he's got to learn one way or the other so i'd rather see him get more minutes play on the court and and figure it out than um than sit on the bench to be honest uh but luckily we have two other guys that are playing extremely well right now chris knight has had two really good games tom welch played okay in the first game and great in this second game um and, uh, you know, they played important to so Tate Hall again, man. Tate Hall is just Mr. Old reliable. 12 points at that huge three, three rebounds, uh, an assist. He was three of five from three. Played some really good defense. He's he's always a fighter, a good rebounder. Um, you know, I Lucas didn't have the best offensive game, but he did a lot of other pretty good things. He had a really nice uh, full court pass to Ooglock for a dunk uh, on an out of bounds um, after a made shot, I think. Also had eight rebounds. Uh, if we're going to do that, almost a double-double club. Uh, Lucas had 10 points and eight rebounds, and Braden had nine points and eight assists. Um, so, uh, again, I, I thought Marquise played pretty well, but I still think he can play better on both ends. Honestly, he missed a couple layups. I remember one specifically where he missed a, it. Was, it was like when the game was really close to. He missed a, a pretty uh, important layup, and um, I think he can play better defensively um uh he did have an absolutely like earth-shattering dunk which was just w- wild um and while we're talking about earth-shattering dunks i hear uba had one of the craziest dunks i've seen in gentile like period i remember there was an andre uh, jackson dunk i think it was a i think it was a conference game but this like just blew that out of the water he he like was going baseline Guy comes to block his shot. He cocked the ball back around him and dunked over him. And it was just nasty. Like, it was crazy. So, um, those were super fun. Just the whole stadium went nuts. It would have gone even crazier if Florida Gulf Coast didn't come down the court and both times hit threes. It was, like, so annoying. It's like, I want to enjoy this moment. Like, call a dang timeout like every other team does after something like that. But – you know, I, I'm not, I'm not being serious. Like they, we got to play D like, and they hit those shots like good for them, but oh, it was frustrating just as a fan.
1: Um Yeah, no, absolutely. I think yeah, my yeah. Last, last point about this game would have been the, just a defense. I think one of the, one of the points that even got us frustrated was I think Lucas was up. So long story short, sorry. I don't know if we've officially stated it, but Tavion Dunmartin just yeah. destroyed our defense. And, and, I, and I don't mean like, Oh, he destroyed it. But he got us worried because they were inching their way back. Uh, He scored 24 points alone in the second half, uh, Mm -hmm. 10 in the first, so 34 overall. Now, to put that in perspective, they scored 77 overall. So this man was a few points away from half his team's, all of their points. And so the biggest thing was, yeah, he was making threes. And to be honest with you, I think you and I were both like, oh, he's getting lucky, whatever. But even toward the end of the game, I think Lucas was on him at one point. And the ball wasn't near him, and Lucas just left him, and then he got the ball back and shot a three and made it. And we're like – it it kind of – we already knew their script. They knew they were trying to just get the ball back to Tavion. Like that's kind of what it was, and we were just like, come on, guys. Like just – just you know he's going to be the one to shoot it at kind of the last probably even 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. He's, he's yeah. the one who's got
1: the hot hand. That's where they're going. So why are we even letting them – get him the ball like he we should just make it a tough shot for him now if he makes a tough shot and we're playing him where the the shot clock is going off and he makes it well that's that's defense you, you played until the shot clock went off and he made it you hopefully it was a hard shot but if we're letting him just get wide open off, off the ball that's on us on defense and I and it's not just lucas there are multiple different guys that try to pick him up but the one guy that i was surprised and maybe it was because the size matchup but i remember him guarding a point guard and that's a hero a hero a few times not last year the year before he was guarding A.J. Green. Hmm. Yep. I remember the game. It was at you and I at Loyola, and he was locking him down. Now, granted, I do think there was a few different height disadvantages, right? Um, and he didn't have like cam in there, so you weren't like having your traditional big guy or whatever. But I'm not saying he here need to go out there. I don't think that's the answer. I just think we need to see a little bit more lockdown defense that we're really accustomed to. And I will say accustomed to, because Ahear definitely has been a great defensive player. Lucas is the leader defensively. Marquise is usually better defensively than what I saw. Now they did get steals. AKA I am counting Lucas's last foul as oh, the, that was, the most ridiculous garbage. thing I've ever seen. He called it, I think after Lucas crossed half court with the ball. But again, the refs were just out to hate us because they hate us. Um, But I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to just the defensive side for me, it's like, I think we were just getting comfortable with, and again, hey, some of these times, like you said, we would make a massive dunk and guys are going, and then you just let them hit a three. Like, come on. Like, we, we got to be a little bit smarter on ourselves and not get not, – not drink too much of our own – like, like I, I, I don't know, too much of our Gatorade. Like, you just – you don't want to just be like, oh, we're so good, we're so good, and then forget, like, what the fundamentals of what this team is. That's what I hope. And I don't think that these guys are, it's game two, right? Like we know it's game two. They're fixing things. It's kind of a new lineup and everything. So we'll, they'll figure it out hopefully. But again, some of these early games could cost you down the road. That's the toughest thing, right? Mm -hmm. If we were to lose this game, that would potentially be one of those bad beats or bad, Mm -hmm. bad losses. And you don't want to see that. Now, if we're talking Michigan state, that's totally different because that's a higher caliber team and stuff like that. And we'll talk about that when we get to these games and stuff, but, we also know we can be better defensively. So I think that was it. And it was just tough to see the come on. The the, the guy shot what? Nine threes. Like eh, nine threes by one guy. Now it's different when your team's hitting 23 spread out by a whole bunch of guys. When one guy's just doing the same score and let's just lock him down if we could. So that was just tough. But again, we, we pulled out the win. It was a tough win, right? And kind of I, I think to be honest with you, my last point about tough win is gonna be that this nearly put in reality, like, hey there are teams that are here to play and it's not going to be handed to you all the time. Right. So it's not, don't wait until we play the first Drake game. Like, no, we got to think of everything as the Drake game. We yeah. got to think of everything as like, Hey, this is the NBC final. If you don't win this game, they don't go to the end tournament. Like that's kind of how you can't just kind of, Oh, we'll let this team come back. And they beat us in the second half. They put up 44 points. We put up 38. So they did beat us in the second half. So if we didn't go off in the first, could have been a different game, but I, we came out with the W um, and, uh, no one got hurt. So that's always great. But I think a, a tough win brings us back to like, Hey, what game by game, like it, let's not think too far ahead. Let's play a game by a game and not forget about what we're, what we're really good at, which is especially defense.
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but we're, we are, you know, we've sweet 16 last year, uh, three times Missouri Valley champs last four years, final four, you know, not too long ago, like this for a lot of teams this is their big, one of their big games, right? Like circled on their calendar. This is a great team. We got to go out and beat them. And, you know, we got that target on our back. We're going to have the target on our back in conference play too. And I think, you know, in these next few games, like leading up to Michigan state and in that tournament, we got to act like that. And not to say that we didn't, but I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit of a wake up call for these guys. Like, Hey, Oh, we, you know, that was, was close. It was four points, right? Like, but um, definitely big props to the guys for coming back and or, you know, staying in the course, staying strong, extending that lead when we had it. Um, but uh, just all around, like good game. Um, put that one in the bank. I think I saw Tate post that in the bank, right? Like put it in the bank, learn from it. Let's get better. Let's get to the next game. Um, so just like overall, uh, I think I'm looking at the minutes here on the box score. Um, and our big, our big three, I guess you could say, uh, Lucas, Braden uh, here, all played 33 uh, minutes. Williamson played 34, um, and then after that, you got guys Tate Hall, Marquis Kennedy, both 23 and 25, um, and then those uh, those big guys with uh, 10, 15, and 14, and then Ryan Schweiger, who was in some foul trouble. I, I'm really curious to see how they use him. I wonder if that might have like he might have been able to spell like a here a little bit or Lucas a little bit. Um, but I think Ryan Schweiger is going to get, you know, that like 12 minutes, I think is good for him. 12 to 15, uh, Saint got in a little bit and honestly, I thought he played pretty good for like what he did. Um, he had some, he had a nice steal. He had a really nice layup. He had a nice assist. If I remember correctly, um, just, you know, uh, definitely good for him. Hope to see him keep playing a little bit here and there. So, um, overall, uh, another fun, fun game, fun to be there um uh like like you said Lou like way earlier in the podcast we've talked about tweeting it and um if we're if one of us are at home or watching the game on tv I think that's when we'll be tweeting it because it's like we're watching the game anyway like we're on our phones anyway at that point like might as well tweet it but um if anyone's wondering I th- I think for this for the foreseeable future uh at least this season like if we're both at the game we're probably not going to be live tweeting it so I hope you all kind of understand um, and I hope this podcast, these podcasts kind of serve as those tweets, right? I know they're not in the moment, but, um, you get us, you get us riled up on here too. So, uh, at least for me, um, I don't know, man, it was, it was good. It was good. I don't know if you felt that, but it just felt good to be back. Um, it, it, Gentile felt great. Uh, there's a little bit of post game, whatever shenanigans, I saw Bruno's was pretty packed. Um, Bulldog was pretty packed. Kane's was pretty full. I'm sure Ireland's was pretty full. So um, I don't know. I don't know. What else you got? You got anything more basketball or or are you, uh, I guess like last thoughts about the game?
1: Just uh, I think the biggest thing is that we're 2-0, right? And excited. Uh, But I do think this past game really kind of gets you uh, going of like, hey, uh, they, there's a lot more to come um but uh we'll we'll see really uh to be honest we'll see how things pan out how rotations and i think that's the other thing we're we're seeing a taste of what drew's looking to do and also this is drew's team now this is drew's basketball this is drew's loyola ramblers um got his first two wins as a uh, head coach ever he's the youngest head coach don't know if he's the youngest head coach ever to get a win that would be cool to look up um but he's the youngest head coach right now, and he's 2-0. and So I think that's a great start, and we're excited to see um, where it goes, especially the next two games this coming week. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Uh, 2-0 and to start, and hopefully we get two more wins
0: this week. Uh, we're playing both games at home again, which is fun. Uh, Tuesday, um, we we're playing Chicago State. That's going to be at 7 o'clock. And then Saturday, um, again at Gentile, that is going to be at 3 o'clock, and that's against UIC. Uh, so both – hopefully both big wins. Um, but most important is as sister Jean says to show a big W on the scoreboard for our Ramblers at the end of the game. So, um, got a fun week and then come back the next week with, uh, our start of our MTE and play in Michigan state. So, uh, quick ramp up there. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, Lou, any like last thoughts, just anything, anything on your mind, anything boys related or basketball or otherwise.
1: No, not really. I think we got two games, and we'll see. I think we're these next two games. If we can start off the way we're hoping, I think uh, then we can really dig into uh, what uh, our MT is going to hopefully look like. Because we got to just those remember we're in the uh, battle for Atlantis, and it's it's a big, big uh, group of teams out there. So if we can make a splash, I think that's going to really help us down the road. I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that's going to do it here from. Buck and Lou at Podcast 63. Thank you all for listening, and never forget, always remember, Go Blurs!